This past week, um, 24, and my, 24 others myself spent a, eight days uh, in France uh, touring, the, touring the religious shrines in a pilgrimage of sorts. Uh, we started down at Lourdes, um, in the south of France, where it was very hot, and we ended up in uh, Lisieux, up in Normandy, which was quite cool. So uh, in all, we probably saw eight or, eight or nine diff different shrines. Two in particular that I'd just like to mention today uh, in passing. One, one, of course, is the one at Paris-Lemay-Montreal, Paris which is the home of St. Margaret Mary. St. Margaret Mary, of course, being uh, the patroness of our parish. And I've always, over the years, uh, had in my mind that, that she probably came from a huge big convent, but it wasn't really so. It was rather, it was rather small. And Margaret Mary entered the convent when she was 22 years of age, and uh, she died when she was about 44. So she only lived about, uh, in the convent about, about, about 20 years altogether. But the bottom line is, there she was, there she remained. In other words, she spent, she didn't go anywhere. She was there all the time. Uh, she never wrote anything. Rather, um, she spent her time in prayer, uh, hours and hours in prayer. And she, uh, after a number of years in prayer, uh, she, she came to the realization that she was having a, a revelation uh, that, that, that uh, the, the Lord himself was revealing himself to her not just once, but on several occasions over, over a period of years. And of course, in trying to tell our fellow sisters uh, that she was having revelations, they thought she was crazy, they thought she was nuts in fact, okay? So she had a very difficult time for several years, just in a sense, uh, trying, to, trying to, to continue to do what she was doing. Also, scholars were brought in, uh, theologians were brought in to, to again examine, examine her in terms of, you know, the authenticity of what, of what she was doing. And they also thought she was crazy. So it, it took her quite a while to, to cook, took them quite a while to realize that what she was actually experiencing was indeed very real. But furthermore, uh, Margaret Mary was given a mission. Her, her mission was to spread devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. Uh, as, as, as Jesus supposedly said to her, behold the heart that loves people so much and is loved so little in return. Now, unfortunately, during her lifetime, she wasn't very successful, but it was only after, it was only after uh, she died uh, and, uh, and life went on, that devotion to the Sacred Heart that started in that, in that little convent, that it sort of took, took off in France and also in several, several other countries in, in the world. And of course, uh, over the last nine days, we've had a novena to the Sacred Heart in preparation for the celebration of that feast, which was actually this past Friday. So Margaret Mary was, as I say, she didn't do anything other than stay in the convent, say her prayers, and in a sense, in, encounter, encounter the Lord Jesus himself. The other, the other shrine I'd like to mention, of course, is one that's about 150, about 70 miles from there. And uh, it's, um, it's in a place called Ours, okay? And it's, uh, the, the, the individual associated with that place is, co is called the Curé of Ours, otherwise, otherwise known as St. John Vianney. 
And John Vianney, as a child, growing up as a child, had a very difficult time. Uh, he wasn't what you call very, very bright. And so he had, a very difficult, he had a very difficult time with his studies. And in particular, when he decided that he wanted to become a priest, uh, in those days, back then, which was in the 17th century, uh, back then you had to know Latin, and he couldn't, he couldn't figure out Latin at all. I, I never found it easy myself, but uh, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't figure out what the, the Latin language. So somehow, somehow he got permission in the end to be ordained without actually having to do much, much Latin. But the bottom line is he was given this small parish in ours, and at that point in France, which was around the year 1740 or 50, that point in France, it was, uh, it was just emerging out of the Protestant Reformation. So religion was sort of very much, in a sense, very much up in the air. But he was, he was given this small parish, and he was told that the people in ours had no love, number one, and no religion, number two. Okay, so it wasn't a very good, it wasn't a very good introduction to, to be handed the keys of a parish. But believe it or not, within a couple of years, in a couple of years, he had turned, not, not alone had he turned that community around, but the people were flocking to ours in order, in order to meet with them and in order to hear him. And um, he, with, with regard to his specialty was the sacrament of penance, was confession. And we're told that often, often he spent 16 continuous hours in, in, the, in the confessional. And, you know, Father, Father Adam was complaining about hearing confessions for two hours a couple of weeks back. <laughs> I said to him, I said to him, you need to meet a curé of ours and he'd tell you what 16, what 16 hours was really like. So anyway, here you had a, a different form, if you will, of spirituality. That is, Margaret Mary, Margaret Mary, as I say, it was, she became holy through her prayers. John Vianney, on the other hand, became holy by ministering, ministering to the people of, to the people of God. So that last leads us to ask the question, if they became holy by, by doing those things, uh, what was sort of the, the source of their holiness? You know, where do, where do you find in scripture uh, word in terms of how you're supposed to live your life? And I think um, obviously there are a variety of different places, but I think a good place to begin is in relationship to that gospel reading, a part of that gospel reading today. There's one little paragraph in it, and, and it went like this. It was saying that Jesus and his disciples were on the road. And they, they were met by three different individuals. The first one came to Jesus and he says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, in answer, he said to him, the foxes have their, their lairs, birds have their, their nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Very strange answer, wasn't it? Then the second one came along and says, I will follow you also, but let me first go and bury the dead. And the answer of Jesus to that one was, let the dead bury the dead. And then the third one came along and says to him, he says, Lord, he says, I also will, will follow you. But he says, first of all, he says, I need to go, go and say goodbye to, to my family. And you would say to yourself, well, these are very, what would you call it? They're very, uh, they're just asking for very ordinary things. But what was the Lord really saying on that occasion to those individuals? In essence, what he was saying was, Take me, take me first, okay? Uh, if you want to be part of, of my kingdom, if you want to be part of my kingdom, then I am number one. Your allegiance, your allegiance must be to me. 
So don't be con too concerned about yourself and uh, you, what you want. Don't be too concerned about your family. Don't be too concerned about the dead. Rather, rather your, your, your allegiance is to me. And you find the same in, in another, par another paragraph in this chapter 9 of St. Luke's Gospel, where Jesus says, if you want to be my followers, if you want to be my follower, my disciple, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow in my footsteps. And he says, whoever loses his life in this world will find it in the next. And what prophet, he says, does a man really have if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? So a tremendous, em tremendous emphasis upon, upon doing the right thing and upon making the Lord primary in your life. Really what's at stake here is the whole question of sp uh, spirituality. How do, you become, how do you become holy? What do you need to do in order to become holy? Now, when I was growing up, the impression I was given from the stuff that I read back then was that there are two different forms of spirituality. One was uh, for, for priests and religious, that they were called to what we call perfection. Uh, and the second call was to lay people. And the, the message that I was given back then was lay people were called to keep the Ten Commandments, okay? That was, that was your primary responsibility as a Catholic. In more recent times, we are re reminded that there's only one call to, to perfection. That is, uh, that is be, it's only one call, that call coming from the Sermon on the Mount that says, be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. So as a lay person, how can you become perfect? I mean, you have, you have responsibilities in the world. What, what do you do in order to become holy? Well, the first thing is, if you are a married person, uh, then it's important that, you know, it's often been said that as a married person, as a husband, you need to love your wife and vice versa. I remember seeing a, you know, a poster on that one time on a wall. It says, uh, husbands love your wives and vice versa. And this little kid came along and said to, to, to the parent, he says, who is vice versa, okay? <laughs> anyway, that's just, that's just by the way. So anyway, if you're a married person, loving your spouse is so very important. I think another fundamental way of becoming holy is in relationship to three different things. One is time. How do you use your time? Okay? Besides time, number one. Number two, t your talent. What do you do with your talent? Okay? And we all have, we all have our gifts. Now, and we obviously use our gifts for the benefit of of the community, but if we have spare time and stuff like that, how do we, how do we use for what we have been given? Time, talent, and treasure. What do you do with your money? And obviously, obviously, it's always a good question, you know, what do you do with your money? How do you, how do you spend the money that you have? Obviously, again, you have responsibilities as, as a family person, but above and beyond that, do you spend your money foolishly? So in other words, I think today's, today's Mass, you know, it's, it's an invitation to ponder the whole question of being a holy person. We're all called to holiness. So what does that mean in your situation? You know, there's a, a little, in, in uh, one of the Psalms, there's a little verse that says, what return shall I make to the Lord for his goodness to me? What do I have to give back to him in order to be a holy person? And perhaps the biggest one to even look at at this point in time is your time. 
And how much time do you give to prayer? How much time do you give to mass on a Sunday, etc., etc.? So we just, I just like to wind down by saying why we're here today is because we want to follow him. Isn't that right? And following him is a way of learning to become holy. It doesn't happen without, I think, a lot of forethought and also a lot of dedication to what we're about, what we're doing on a daily basis with our time our talent and our treasure. Amen.